Welcome to the American Classroom Podcast with hosts Jared Taylor and Lindsay Croslin, where we explore all things education, pre-K through 12th grade. Welcome to American Classroom, where we discuss the role of education in building a civil society. I'm Jared Taylor, and with me is Lindsay Crosling, co-host. Today we're talking about Heritage Academy, its origin with our special guest, Earl Taylor. Let's begin. On the show, we're excited to have Earl Taylor, founder of Heritage Academy, and my father. He's going to tell us a little bit about the story and how Heritage came about, maybe touch on a little bit about school choice, and explore a couple of wonderful things in, in that space there. So how are you this morning? I'm great. And of course, co-host Lindsay Croslin is with me as well. How are you this morning? I'm good. Good morning. Excited to be here with Pioneer in the Charter world. Yeah, that's good. We're going to get into that here in a little bit. Of course, American Classroom is brought to you by Heritage Academy. And it's, we're going to dig into the story there. You typically give it a background on some of your key sponsors are, but you're going to hear that throughout this whole episode here today. So, you know, Dad, when I see, when I think of what you've done in school choice, we're going to talk about heritage a lot today, but I think you probably don't get as much credit for school choice in Arizona because I know when I was a wee lad and started education, right, you were advocating for a basic school system in Mesa schools, which was different. I mean, there was no choice in Mesa public school system here in Arizona. And it was just, you get what you get. It's one size fits all, and that's the way it works. And you and some other families were agitating a lot for another school system. So you've actually, I think, pioneered two or been a part of pioneering two of the biggest choice movements in Arizona. And I don't think you get credit for the first one there, but we're going to focus today mostly on the second one. Maybe another time we'll come back and we'll talk about that that initial one. But certainly, Heritage, why don't you tell us a little bit about how that came about? I mean, charter legislation came through Minnesota initially, and then it came over here to Arizona a couple of years later. And how did you get involved? Well, thank you, Jared. Actually, I was in the real estate business at that time. I had been for about 18 years. But I was working with an organization called the National Center for Constitutional Studies. And we were all volunteers, but we were teaching Constitution in the tradition of the founding fathers all over the nation. And uh, as I was teaching and learning at the same time, I realized, because most of our audience were adults, I, th- I said to myself, this needs to get into younger Students, we have to teach younger people this message. And uh, in trying to do so, I went to the uh, local school district. And their curriculum showed them the curriculum, uh, stressing the founding fathers, their ideals and values, and uh, how it really formed the basis of the first free people in modern times. Well, I didn't get very far. It was like, well, we're already doing that, or we already know that. And Well, I knew they, they didn't, but so I was a little discouraged in trying to get it to younger people. I'm talking basically high school age. And it was that time, really, that the Arizona legislature passed charter legislation. And as you correctly said, charter schools started somewhere up upper Midwest, And it actually started when school districts were kicking students out for misbehavior of one reason or another. And somebody went to the school district and said, I'll tell you what, you give me those students that are causing problems and you pay me some of what the the state is paying you for these students and I will teach them. And that became a, a contract or a charter. 
And so charter legislation or charter schools became known as schools for at-risk students. Well, when the Arizona legislature looked at it, they said, we're not going to limit charter schools to just at-risk students. Matter of fact, we are going to see if principles of free enterprise can enter education and make a difference. So they completely rewrote charter laws, actually wrote charter laws. It was the first time in Arizona and uh, created a whole separate board for charter schools. And uh, some of my friends in the legislature said, Earl, you need to look at this. We have made this so free. Think this is what you are looking for. So I looked at it and I hadn't been involved in education. I didn't come up through the through the education colleges and so forth. I wasn't even a certified teacher. But I saw in this the opportunity to teach young mostly juniors and seniors in high school, principles of the founding fathers, what made America great, and their ideals and values. And so we launched, and I think we were the third or fourth charter school in Arizona, and that's how we started. And None of us knew what we were doing, but with some help of some friends who had been in education, who knew some of the things that we had to do, that helped me. So that's how we got started. You know, your story about going to the curriculum department reminded me of, I mean, some of your classic business stories of people going to, you know, the Kodak story of, oh, hey, everything is going away from film and going digital. And, you know, Kodak was just too smart. They knew it. And I was at a company that had so many PhDs. They were so smart. This is Motorola back in the day. And they had so many great scientists in there, but they were so into themselves and their own technology. They completely missed the move from analog to digital cellular communication and Nokia picked it up and just blew right past them. And, right. you know, when I think of what happened here, you think of really the disruption theories of Clayton Christensen, because this is exactly what's happening. And, and it continues to happen because people, even to this day, still don't get that people don't need all the bells and whistles and all the PhDs and all, certainly they want research. They want valid, rugged curriculum. That's going to be, that, that's already been proven in time. To, no question about that. But all of the other stuff, all the other bells and whistles that they hang on it, it's really not that appealing to, to a lot of people and counterproductive in some ways. So you got started, huh? I, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of headwinds did you face as, as you started to push into the, the charter space? Well, of course, we had a start date of that particular day. I think it was late August or early September back then. And uh, I mean, we had facility to get. Where are you going to go? And the state did not provide money for facilities as they do districts here in Arizona. So we were on our own. We had to find a facility. We had to hire teachers. We had to create some kind of policies that kind of helped us and the students know what we were getting into. We had to create PTO. We had to identify parents who were supportive. We had to uh, tackle things like dress code and behavior codes. And, you know, all of those things don't come easy. And uh, fortunately, I had some friends who were already in education to one degree or another, and they kind of helped me along the way. But uh, as I said, none of us knew what we were doing. And luckily, the charter board, which the legislature created, was filled with free enterprise people who really wanted to make this happen. So they were very understanding. Mm -hmm. Some of the things we presented to them weren't quite right, so we tweaked it a little bit until they felt like it was okay. And so that's how we launched. Wow. Yeah, I remember hearing some of the stories. You know, I was in South Africa when all this went down. I was, I was in Cape Town. I was, I was serving my mission, and I didn't get back till like March of 94. But I remember you telling the stories of going through that, and I missed that. And I also missed when the Phoenix Suns went to the championship. I bet that yeah, was a big yeah. time in Arizona. <laughs> Charter legislation. 
I remember that. The Phoenix Suns. What, Lindsay, when did you first hear about charter schools? When did that come on your radar? You know, I, I didn't graduate high school until 1996, and I only reference to charter schools was the at-risk youth. And so, you know, had I known, I guess it would have only been two years of my high school experience that I could have um, experienced. But now knowing what I know about charter schools and how they benefit so many youth, across the U.S. Uh, I wish I'd had that experience. Well, and it's not uncommon. I mean, we're coming up on, what, the 29th year. We just finished the 28th year. Because Heritage was in that very first initial uh, year. People still don't know a lot about charter schools. They think that it's a private school. They'll, they'll ask us a lot, how much do you charge? What's your tuition? Are you religiously affiliated or not? And Heritage, of course, is not. No charter school is. You have, it's written into your contract. Right, right. Well, Lindsay mentioned uh, People thought it was for at-risk students because that's, I think Arizona was the eighth or ninth state to adopt charter legislation, but we were the first state to incorporate free enterprise into the whole mix and to say, no, anybody that you can attract, you can teach. That was, that was monumental. And, uh, and another problem we had was when parents were thinking, okay, if we send our students there, because we were looking at grades seven through 12, to begin with, will their credits be recognized anywhere? And if I hadn't known of some people at the local school district, they wouldn't have been recognized, but they knew me and we had a pretty good rapport. So, and I still got the letter from them saying, we will recognize these courses. When those person left the local school district, the local school district said, we will not recognize those credits. So that's kind of a tough issue when parents yeah. say, okay, are these credits going to be recognized everywhere? What about colleges? And furthermore, talk about facility. Nobody knew what a charter school was, so they weren't going to loan huge amounts of money to buy a charter, to buy a building. And weren't your contracts only five years? They were only five years, so who's going to loan money on that? <laughs> and uh, so I had to put up everything I owned as security and for a number of years, I had to do that. And, you know, you take the risk, but uh, you believe in your cause, yeah. and it worked out. Well, I think that's one of the big takeaways from, from this is the free market has a role in solving social issues or supporting it or augmenting what the government is doing to address social issues. So you can look at lots of social issues and ask yourself, I mean, we should. Where can the private market the, the free enterprise system help or supplant or replace? You know, I don't think we ask that question enough, and charter schools is a good little case study in that. Well, um, what when you think back on what you, you know, why you were starting Heritage and what you hope to accomplish, um, what were some of those initial goals that, that you had? I mean, you touched a little bit on getting the founders message back into the hearts and minds of our young people. And, and why wouldn't we want to saturate their minds with Washington's ideas and Lincoln's and, you know, those heroes who, who's smarter than Jefferson. Why not study the best, right? That's what I've always think of, but were, were there additional goals that you had, um, you know, in starting heritage? Well, in teaching about America and the founding of America, as a matter of fact, the founders themselves said a free people cannot survive without a broad program of general education. In other words, you need to teach principles of freedom to young people. 
so that when they grow up, it's part of them. And, uh, and that's what we were hoping to do. And since then, it's been a number of years, I can just say there's, it, it's just been great. And this is the reward of a teacher when students, even after they graduated, many years later will come and say, thank you for doing what you did. And that, that's a great reward of a teacher. And many of our alumni have their children yeah. now at Heritage. Well, that's a, <laughs> you know, that's a great thing. You say, it took. And We're getting second generation graduates. And yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I make that point maybe in a little different way in a lot of my interviews with teachers. And that's one of the main points of this whole podcast is how education must play its role in building a civil society. So I use the example of China, right? China believes in communism, the ideals and values of Karl Marx or as it, or Mayo or whoever you want to talk about, right? But so if you want to perpetuate those ideals and values, well, you build an education apparatus that teaches those ideals and values and then you can perpetuate those. And China does that, and they've been effective at perpetuating that to a certain extent. Well, the same thing in, in America, right? We're, we have a different set of ideals and values of self-governance, self-rule, so on and so forth, right? So your education system should therefore teach that if you want to perpetuate those ideals and values. Not at the exclude. They should also know what Marxism is, and you know, they should know everything, right? But if you need to have preeminence to the one to the ideals and values that you want to perpetuate that's how you build a civil society and i think america has a huge opportunity and a missed opportunity frankly in their education system because they're probably getting about a d minus in in that aspect right now but i hope heritage is getting more than a d minus and i think we're doing really well thanks to you and other great teachers that have that spirit since you mentioned that jared about communism you know if you read the communist manifesto it describes in there Marx and Engels described 10 different things that should be done if you want to take over a country in favor of communism. And believe it or not, one of them is to get control of education, to centralize education so it's driven from the top. And uh, you have to control the education of young people if you really want to take over a country. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about charter schools. It, it stresses decentralization. We have to obey certain and follow certain rules at the state level. But there, in Arizona at least, there is so much autonomy about what we can teach, the textbooks we can use, and uh, that's decentralization. It isn't, uh, We're deal. lucky. I sat on the state board, as you know, for four years here in Arizona, um, appointed by Governor Doug Ducey. In comparison to Texas or um, some of the other states that really control the curriculum at the state level, we still give great deference to the local school districts or counties, you know, in the rural areas for their selection of curriculum. And I think that's, that's really to our advantage. It drives some of the people at the state agency crazy a little bit because it's hard to control it, right? They, they want a lot of control. And when you have a lot, of, a lot of people doing different things, you get a lot of variation in the system. But it does prove out what works and what doesn't work. And I think that's a strength that we still have in Arizona's local control, at least of curriculum. And charters have a little bit more more autonomy to some extent. I mean, we still have the state standard apparatus. but The other thing yeah. that charters brought in was competition for district schools. And so yeah. even though I don't think you know any school's one size fits all, I think there's a, it's great we have school choice in, 
and families can choose what the best option is for their kids. But we've gone into communities where there were failing schools, and I think we've helped the local community schools to step it up and to really perform better than they were because they didn't have competition. And so I think that exists across, well, at least the states that allow charter schools. I think reaching back to the thinking of the founders, when you read their writings, they felt like education has a three-prong basis, three prongs of good education. Number one, locally supported. In other words, they did not envision the federal government being involved in education at all, if even the state level, but locally supported. Parents who send their children to school are the ones that should support the school. Imagine that. Yeah. (laughs) Number two, parental directed. In other words, the parents should decide what is taught, who teaches, and so forth. Of course, they have they would have a, a parent-directed board uh, over the school, so parental-directed. And number three, professionally assisted. Assisted. Uh, assisted. In other words, you're not going to have every parent qualified to teach calculus, for example. Sure. So you would hire someone to assist you in that teaching. Those are three prong basis of, edu- of real education from the founders. How far have we come since we hear so many people saying that, well, the parents don't have a role. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And, and certainly they don't have the professional credentials, maybe to the extent that some of those that are professionally trained. But the, the scorn and contempt for parents that's arising, I know it's not as widespread as maybe the media perpetuates that. But it, it's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Professionally assisted. I think people need to realize what lane they are in. But, you know, one thing that we've found, and Lindsay knows this really well, when we expand, it's largely because moms want us in communities. They want choice. And in one particular city that we expanded to a couple of years ago, one of our more recent expansions was from moms that were hearing a bunch of lip service from their local schools. They had a couple charters in there. But as soon as we brought our program in with dual enrollment specifically, we hadn't even opened our doors, and the other surrounding schools had responded to that, to, kind of to your point yeah. about, about competition. But I, I want to circle back to the moms uh, as well because they're a major driver. They, if you look at the history of education in America, I mean, the moms have driven it. Let's not fool ourselves here. <laughs> I mean, Abigail Adams taught John Quincy how to read, right? And there were higher literacy rates. I said this one time in front of a bunch of teacher union people one time. And man, they were, the long knives came out. I I argued that there were higher literacy rates in colonial America, thanks to the moms, than there are today. And that is true. That's a true statistic. You can look it up. And it's because moms have always, I don't know if it's their natural desire to educate their children or themselves, um, but to their credit, they, and I think they benefit probably more than the men from school choice. Parents, especially moms, have an instinct on what their children need, right and wrong. They may not be able to teach calculus, but they have that instinct that is so wonderful about what their children need. They'll go for it and give them a chance. Yeah, and some of them are great calculus teachers too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to read you um, a letter. I know you got this, but I thought it would be fun to to put in in the podcast from a family that has been with Heritage for a long time now, 
which is fun. And they and just last week, so we're recording this on June 1st of 2023. A week ago today was our graduation ceremonies for most of our campuses. And at our Mesa campus, one of the families had their baby graduate. And here's what they said in this letter, if you're okay with me reading sure. this here. As May 2023 marks the end of 20 incredible years in education for our family. The eldest of our nine children began at Heritage Academy in fall of 2003. This year, our youngest child will graduate. All our children have graduated from Heritage, and at least one has been on the Mesa campus in each of the past 20 years. Yeah. Isn't that great? And there, there's a few more things. I'm not going to read the read all of it here, but um, I'll just read the, the final paragraph, just skipping down. Because they express gratitude of the accomplishments and the faculties. But most of all, we're grateful to you, Mr. Taylor. Uh, you listened to inspiration and dedicated countless hours and years to the establishment of Heritage Academy. Thank you for sharing your love of the founding fathers and the principles they taught. Thank you all for all the love and dedication you have spread around you to all within your sphere. Ripples of your influence are spreading far and wide across generations, as our ever-expanding family can attest. Ooh. Isn't that fun? <laughs> That's great. And it was a great family. And the parents were very involved in the PTO and other ways. So I think they were sitting on the front row of the graduation ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the moms have had a, a huge influence. And I, and, and I think they um, continue to. They continue, will, to, you know, because we continue to hear from moms of we need a new school here or there for our, our children. They're so in tune to it. I, I, what do you think, um, as you look back, because you're retired now for four or five years. How long have you been retired now? Since 17. Since 17. Six wow. years, Jared. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Linda, you, you were here a couple years when Mr. Taylor was still Mr. Taylor there. <laughs> yeah, pre, pre-retirement. Pre-retirement. Yeah, that was fun. What do you think you're most proud of as you, as you look back and on all the different accomplishments? Well, like I said, I just think that the legacy that parents and their children feel there continues. If they didn't bring their grandchildren or children of alumni there, you'd kind of wonder, how much good are we doing? But they are. And uh, it's just so thrilling to have parents come up to me and say, not only are we thankful for, the, for our children, but now our grandchildren are coming. Well, that says something to you. I mean, that's, that's the reward of a teacher. And I consider teaching as the most valuable part, most valuable experience I had because... When you can teach, you know, you're talking 16, 17, maybe 18-year-olds. They're old enough to understand some pretty important principles, but they're, they're, they still haven't been too brainwashed, if I can say that. <laughs> and uh, it's thrilling for them, once they get a hold of these principles, to say, uh, Mr. Taylor, this sounds so simple. Why aren't we doing this? And, of course, you have to explain the rest of the story and how we got off track. But I, I have a great faith in young people, especially those who have been taught correctly. I think it's a great future, and I don't think we've seen the first of it yet. That's great. Country. Well, it's also fun to see some of them come back and want to be teachers. There you go, and we have some of those, don't I think you? so. What do you think we have? About 10, 10 or so alumni teaching, Lindsay? Seems like yeah, and my daughter has... One of them is a teacher, and it's her favorite teacher. Oh, so. oh really? <laughs> so that's great. They, uh, yeah, they're lighting the fire. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Well, hey, as we as we wrap up today, it's always fun to just reflect a little bit on some key takeaways or key lessons from this because it's fun to walk down memory lanes. But purpose of history is so that you know we can learn and 
not repeat any mistakes and continue to build. And I love the point that you made about how the free enterprise really came in and solved a problem that maybe wasn't as apparent to the powers that be, but definitely was from you know the people's standpoint. People want choice. One size doesn't fit all is, is, is one takeaway. Plus, the, let the free enterprise system give it a shot to try to solve some problems, deal with the ambiguity, and then on the net, you're probably going to come out. Any, anything you, you know, you add? mentioned free enterprise, Jared, and you well know that uh, at least I've heard that as many as half of the companies that start up in any year in any given industry don't make it past the first year or two. So when you think of free enterprise, that's, that's really what that's about. It, it, it automatically sorts out those that are successful versus those that aren't. And charter schools are the same way. Not that every charter school has been successful. There are a few that have failed. Sure, and they're, they're probably at a higher rate than the and, district schools. And the charters have been revoked. Well, that's free enterprise. Yeah. But in the district schools, if a school fails, usually it just keeps going. It may make a few changes a little bit, but that's not what we should be doing. We should reward success. And that's what charter schools are all about. Yeah, that's great. Well, I just have to say one thing I really admire, Mr. Taylor, is that you know you are, are the mission statement of Heritage Academy is to build America's heroes. And so that was your passion. That was your inspiration. And not only were you a leader at the school, but you also taught. Heritage is a, typically the principal, also teaches. You talked about the rewards of being a teacher. Um, so you were a leader and a teacher all those years. And then all the things that I've heard, the stories I've heard over the years, is that you took the principles that you were teaching and you utilized those as the principal and as the leader of the school and really reinforce them in the students as you then, you know, whether it's disciplinary or setting example yeah, or teaching a lesson. That's true. So I really admire that about you. Well, this has been fun. It's fun to walk down memory lane a little bit and, and uh, hear some of those origin, origin stories. Those are, those are always fun. And, you know, the point of this podcast is to really talk about how education is building a civil society and, and school choice, particularly charter schools, are playing a more and more important role every day in the lives of not just those in Arizona with charter charter schools that have uh, a lot of flexibility, but in those that even have limited flexibility in, in those states. It's amazing the imp- impact that they're having, even with less um, opportunity to grow and flourish. But anyways, thank you. It's It's been fun to have this conversation with you. For those of you that want to continue to enjoy this podcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Our Facebook group will be up and running probably by the time you listen to this, so please join that. And if you have any questions a little bit about Heritage or how to learn a little bit more, Lindsay, what should they do if they want to learn more about Heritage Academy? Yeah, they can visit us online. Uh, HeritageAcademyAZ.com is kind of a school group page, and it links to all of our locations and find one in your area. Yeah, that's that sounds great. We're, we'll have a weekly newsletter that you can sign up for as well to not just follow Heritage Academy, but also American Classroom Podcasts and all the great things that we're going to be discussing. So this podcast was created by Heritage Academy and produced by Show Agency. American Classroom is a product of Heritage Academy IP. Thank you all. 
Discover the power of education and achieving the American dream. Join hosts Jared Taylor and Lindsay Crosland on American Classroom, Stories of Building a Civil Society, the show dedicated to exploring the dynamic range of education options available to parents and students. We engage with teachers, experts, and parents to discuss safe schools, ways to capture vital opportunities for youth, and strategies to multiply our children's talents. Heritage Academy is dedicated to youth, their growth and development. The purpose of education is to build strong character. Strong character is reflected in strong families, strong communities, and a strong nation.